Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. What I don't want to do is spend hours analyzing the bits of my body that I would change. Yeah. You know, or the people that I would like to look like. Because right. here's the thing I can't look like anyone else. Hello and welcome back. Today I'm joined by the journalist and author Bryony Gordon. I suspect you're already familiar with Bryony's work. It would be hard to hear her name and not immediately think of that very famous and incredibly moving episode of her podcast Mad World, in which she interviewed His Royal Highness Prince Harry about his mental health. But here's a quick lowdown of some of the things Bryony has done. First, she's a columnist at the Daily Telegraph and has written three books, Mad Girl, The Wrong Knickers and Eat, Drink, Run. She also, of course, hosts the aforementioned podcast Mad World, in which she's interviewed some extraordinary guests, including Frank Bruno, Fern Cotton, Mel C, Stephen Fry and, of course, His Royal Highness Prince Harry. She founded Mental Health Mates, a nationwide initiative designed to encourage people to meet up, to go for a walk and have a chat, and has also run the London Marathon twice to campaign and raise awareness for both mental health issues and to promote positive body image. In this episode, we discuss both in depth, as well as peppering it with tales from Bryony's life and how she came to be the woman she is today. Here's Bryony. Every guest that I've ever spoken to has mm-hmm. had either a strong response to the way their mum looked or to the way their mum <laughs> didn't look. Which camp do you fall into? Oh my god, my mum is like the bane of my life. Right. So she. Sorry, sorry. Come closer. Mm. She's. Um. My mum is super. Can I swear? Yeah. She's super fucking glamorous. Right. Okay. And like, I was very aware. She. She always used to kind of. You know. She. I remember from my like some of my earliest memories of childhood, like her putting us to bed and or kissing us goodnight and. Yeah. You know, or smell smelling of like creams. You know, like yes. uh, like unguents and potions and yeah. all of that. And um, she always, as soon as I hit my teens, she was like, "Put makeup on. You've got to wear makeup. Or wear a short skirt." It was not conventional. Was it just you, or did you have siblings? No, I have a I have a sister who's two years younger, and I have a brother who's twelve years okay. younger. So, so you were the first girl to yeah, get the yeah. treatment. And I remember being kind of really aware of that and a bit embarrassed mm. and. I never really, I didn't, I, 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 I think because, and I, I, I presume quite a lot of women have this experience, but I remember I grew, I grew really, like my, I developed, quote unquote, mm. quite early. So I suddenly had these huge boobs. At what kind of age? So like 11, oh, okay, 12. Really early. And, um, and my, you know, like my boobs are sort of slightly ludicrous. Like one of my boobs is the same as my daughter's head. My daughter's five. Kind of like quite unwieldy. They're like a 36 yeah. double J. Okay. Okay. So, but so very early on, I felt quite sexualized because of the met, of that kind of, it was, there was that the response from other people. Yeah. yeah. So like, I remember my mum used to, I remember my mum saying, oh, all the men look at you now. And I remember thinking, oh, and I wasn't particularly comfortable with it. And boys used to sort of take the piss. And so for me, my looks were kind of a thing of embarrassment. Do you know what I mean? I was like this classic sort of 
blonde blonde hair blue eyes big mm. boobs i mean it was like it was a bit it sounds like oh yeah that sounds like a fucking nightmare bridey but it was and i i felt really uncomfortable with it so i really shied away from makeup and beauty and yeah. clothes and all of that stuff because it just it felt really uncomfortable yeah i can imagine and also because that's before you necessarily develop like sexual urges and you're yeah I hadn't kind of caught up with it you know so I was like oh what is this yeah um that sounds I'm not gonna say that sounds arrogant because I'm so sick of women like just stating bald facts and then like be and then going oh god I don't want to sound like I'm up myself or anything like that but it was I think and I'm sure that's the experience of lots of girls when they go into um adolescence you know and it and it you know it's it's been one of the big battles that I've kind of faced and I, I certainly now I do mm. a lot of body positivity campaigning mm. and you know me and my friend Jada Cesar the plus size model just the model as I like to call her mm. um we ran the Mar- London Marathon last year in our underwear mm-hmm. as a kind of statement that body because we don't see bodies really now we don't see like the textures I mean we yeah. see bodies but we don't see the textures yeah. the kind of the you know the things that make us us yeah and we really wanted to kind of show that, like, two kind of size 18 women running mm. a marathon, you know, saying, you can do this. Yeah. We are, we've just launched this, um, ten, well, we have launched this campaign to get as many women as possible to join us in mm. an underwear 10K on May the 27th. Okay. You're very welcome you know to join us. know what my first thought was when you just said that? Oh, could I get in shape for that? No. <laughs> okay, so here we go. So, um, so you Which will join is us. Awful. So we've yeah. got a whole okay. load of people coming to join us. So we've got like uh, people, women of different kind of body experiences. So it's not just plus size women. There's people like Deborah James and uh, Lauren Mahon who are the have co-hosts of the Big C podcast. So yeah. they've both experienced at uh, well. Um, in Deborah's case, she has terminal bowel cancer. Yeah. Lauren is in remission from um, breast cancer. So we've got women with different shoes. They're doing yeah. it yeah. in their underwear, and it's and it's and then we've got Giovanna Fletcher yeah. and Carrie Hope Fletcher are doing it, and we've got Scarlett Curtis okay. and Grace Campbell yeah. and Honey Ross doing it, and we've got just like loads and Chessie King, who's mm-hmm. like body positive. So there's low Nimco Ali who is an FGM campaigner yeah, and yeah. she's doing it in like a kind of is um a, a, she's doing it in a triathlon suit because she's her parents are from Somalia so okay. she's like they will literally have a fucking heart attack. Yeah. So but anyway the point is but I remember when we did the marathon mm. that someone wrote an article a column in the Sunday Times saying that no women never gain anything from taking their clothes off and it was like I was like, well, because that's because we always sexualize them. Like, I, this is my body. I'm wearing a quite, you know, we were wearing quite big pants and yeah. a big sports bra. And those are the kind of like, uh, those are, it's what the elite, elite women wear when they run marathons. Yes. This isn't about turning men on. Yeah. It's about proving that women are more than just objects of desire. We are yeah. functional people and we have bodies and we have bodies with lumps and bumps and cellulite and stretch yeah. marks on them. Yeah. And we're sick of being lied to and only, or we're sick of only being presented in the media as creatures that don't have any of those things. Yes, true. That have those things, that those things have been removed because apparently somehow they don't make us like perfect. Well, fuck yeah. that. No, the most perfect people do have it. So for me, it's like, it's absolutely, it's a fight against that. Yeah. And it really fucks me off sorry i keep swearing no it's fine when 
We're already in the explicit they zone. Get, they get the kind of like the odd person on Instagram will be like, oh, you're really sexy. And I'm like, this, this page is not for you. The whole point of showing different body types is not to encourage, you know, I remember this when Cosmopolitan put Tess Holiday on the cover mm. of their magazine and there was this kind of, oh, this is just as irresponsible as showing only skinny women, you know. I, there was a huge backlash. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, you know, it's encouraging obesity. And mm. I'm like, and I, I got, I kind of waded into the argument a bit and someone said to me that she would just be just as horrified if her daughter wanted to look like Tess Holiday as if her daughter wanted to look like a skinny model. And I was like, the whole point mm-hmm. of putting Tess Holiday on the cover is so that your daughter doesn't want to look like anyone. Yeah. So your daughter just wants to look like, like her. her. Yeah. You know? And the whole point is, is that it's it's not... A, like, why as women do we think that we have to look like someone else the whole time? I was just about to ask you, was there someone you wanted to look like? Yes, as a no, like, yes of course there was. Yeah. I mean, I could like... How much time have you got? I've got hours... <laughs> I could I could list for hours women I wanted to look like when yeah. I was a teenager. Yeah. You know? And, and um, but like, I don't, it doesn't, you know, it's, uh, but I don't, I don't, like, I try not to get into that. Yeah. Like, I think it's, it, I, I try to be inspired by women yeah. as opposed to aspiring to be like them. Yes. And I think there's a big difference there. Mm. And so actually, you know, I want, like, I want to have, like, so I want to have those toned, those toned women are women. And I hate that thing of real women. Yeah. It's like, well, oh, those so people boring. are real too. Let's go back to when you were like a teenager. Oh yeah, and and also, were you? Did you find confidence in your early life, or is that something that's come much later on? No, I mean, I was really, I was really lacking confidence as a teenager. I mean, I was bulimic. I was. When did that start? Um, probably when I was about nineteen, actually, mm-hmm. quite late. Mm. But um, no, I was really, I had no confidence. I mean, I was, I, I was suffering from sort of quite a crippling form of mental illness. Yes, and that. Um, made life quite hard I was just uncomfortable with being me you know um, and I I I so no conf- the confidence is something that has come much later yeah but almost as a reaction to having no confidence like yeah. I'm so so sick of it I was yeah. like I'm wasting so much energy worrying about not being pleasing to this person's mm. eye or that person's and I was like think of the things I could have done you know and that like that is there's a difference between like I love like makeup and mm-hmm. all of that you know and beauty and stuff like that and I enjoy it yeah but like I don't what I don't want to do is spend hours analyzing the bits of my body that I would change yeah you know or the people that I would like to look like. Because right. here's the thing, I can't look like anyone else. Like that that is not it's not real it's not real. Yeah. I can only look like me. And I sort of say this quite a lot. Like it's really like the miracle of existing is kind of is huge. Like the chances mm. of any of us existing are like one in a trillion or something. Mm. Or a figure I can't even pronounce because I don't understand it. And you know, it's if you think about uh, going back, if you think about your parents having sex, don't yeah. mind. I mean, I write about I've got this new book coming out for teenage girls yeah. called um, You Got This, which is all about being, it's all about being comfortable in yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, I, my whole, my whole life, I, 
you know, like that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Like I had so many answers for that. Who would you like to look like? And the, and the, but the, what it all boiled down was I didn't want to look like me. Yeah. And I didn't want to be me so much that I kind of like, it almost killed me, you know, yeah. in the process. Like I, I, I tried to be like other people, you know, I, I'm in recovery from alcoholism and addiction. And mm. so, you know, and those were all the, the kind of coping mechanisms I, I like got really heavy really quickly. I've installed, I, I, I picked up to try and like not be me. But the whole thing is, is like, I am me. And if our parents had like, like, this is so disgusting, but like, if your like dad had come like five seconds earlier and a different like sperm, would, you know, like a sperm had got, you, you could be, well, I could be a completely different person. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the universe really, really, really wants everyone to be here and they don't want, they don't want, you know, I, they don't want me to, they want you to look like you and they want, the universe wants me to look like me. It doesn't want me to look like Kim Kardashian or whatever. And so I just, I think it's like, I think so much of our mental health, <coughs> our mental ill health is mm. caused by self-loathing really. Is that, because you talk to a lot of people about their mental health, is that something that you see a lot then? Yeah. Up? Yeah. Yeah. People really don't like themselves and yeah. I kind of feel like it's kind of state-sponsored self-loathing but I don't know about you Madeline but when I was growing up like it wasn't like self-love was not a good thing it was like she loves herself and it's, it's very still, British it's so, it's yeah no a little bit it's very British yeah you know we apologize for existing quite a lot and it's like that thing of like a compliment yeah like you know you always say that like oh I like your dress and someone will go oh this old thing it shows off my bingo rings and I got it from Primark even yeah. if they bought it from like Prada yeah you know like we we uh, as a society are really good at like taking compliments yeah. stamping on them spitting on them yeah setting them on fire and turning them into insults yeah and also <laughs> just making yourself a little bit more palatable to other people instead of going you yeah. know what i actually love this thing and i do myself. and i do yeah. think that it is it is like one of the ways we bond as britons is through like mutual self-loathing yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. self-deprecation we call it self-deprecation yeah. but yeah. it's like oh god i was such a tit yeah and you know most of my career has been i've made a career out of self-deprecation like ju- like laughing at myself mm. and um you know that's what I used to do when I was you know in my 20s and I was writing columns for the telegraph about being single and my clutz mm. and mm. you know but it was all I could do because I I was like you know secretly I was hiding mm. this sort of addiction and stuff like that mm. and it was like oh I'll make a joke out of it because then I don't have to kind of confront it you're a brilliant journalist and was that something that you always knew you could do were you confident in that yeah, I never questioned um, writing or journalism. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably because I grew up around journalists. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of, you know, nepotism. No, but I, I, a lot of my family are journalists. Mm-hmm. And um, and my grandfather was a writer. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, and then, so... Did, I, you always, did you always imagine that you'd write about yourself instead of writing novels or writing fiction or, you know... No, that wasn't what I... I don't know, I just loved... I just loved... I loved reading newspapers. I loved the kind of all what's... what's, You know, I was always really fascinated in the news as a child, Mm. weirdly. It it was really the only life I knew and I just Mm. kind of lived and breathed newspapers. Mm -hmm. And I am really lucky that I knew that and also that I had the... um, the the contacts I guess to make Mm -hmm. it happen so when did you start how did you start out um so I was 18 Mm -hmm. and I was I I finished school 
and I took a year off, which I guess was what you would commonly call as a gap year. I said to my mum, I really want to do journalism. Mm. And she was like, what makes you think you're any different from any other 18-year-old? And I was like, well, nothing. But it would be really stupid for me to not, like, raid your contact book. Um, So I got got work experience at um, a newspaper... Mm-hmm. and um but like i was i was literally like making the tea mm-hmm. doing research and i sort of never left um and I, I i kind of bedded myself in and i yeah i would like help out the sports desk and the politics desk mm-hmm. and the it was it was really weird but there was it was quite a short staffed paper mm. so there wasn't um you know they really needed the help and i just kind of bedded myself in really and then i sort of suggested that I was like, what about, you know, a column about teenagers? And they're like, well, why don't we try that? You mm-hmm. know? So that was how it happened. And I, and then I, I, and then I, uh, the Telegraph at the time had a teenage section mm-hmm. and asked if I'd like to do some writing. Um, and I did. And then a job came up there and uh, that was 2000. Mm-hmm. And 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 I've been at the Telegraph ever since, basically. Having seen journalism at such close quarters when you were younger, yeah. Was when you started, were you taken in by any of the romance of it? Because a lot of people <laughs> I speak to, you know, they kind of maybe put on a pencil skirt on their first day or yeah. get dressed up. Did you did you have any of that, or were you just quite practical about it? I uh, I don't think I. Yes, I can't really remember. I mean. I no, I was being made to dress up as like Chewbacca and stuff like that for you know like do stunt stuff mm-hmm. um, for pictures and you know it was all kind of but I loved the kind of yeah I mean I think I think I loved the socialising mm-hmm. element of it and the people you know journalists are really just fun yeah. and naughty and cynical and um, but. I don't. I don't remember having pencil skirts. Okay. My outfits for much of my career in newspapers were pretty like. I mean, when I look back, I was like, Fuck. I mean, I used to like wear the most outrageous clothes to work, like what, like, re- like like really booby dresses. I mean, this is okay. like much later. This is you know in my thirties, right? Um, I'd sort of veer from turning up in a pair of jeans and a beaten up pair of Converse and a T-shirt looking like I'd been dragged through a hedge backwards, which I had. <laughs> or I'd be like wearing um, wearing kind of like really booby dresses mm. and staggeringly high heels. Because like I, like I existed pre-Tinder. Okay. And any of those dating apps, right? So like every boyfriend I ever had, I met through work. So yeah. for me, work was like not just work; it was also like, okay, I, I, I'm dating this guy over there. I better look good. Yeah. <laughs> if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you were in your 20s, you were, you were suffering from bulimia, mm-hmm. um, OCD, which is, am I right in thinking it's pure O? Pure O, Pure yeah. O, OCD, which is quite an intense... Yes, yeah. so um, do you want me to have kind of... Yes, yeah, so basically I was going to say the, the, you had the bulimia, the mm-hmm. um, OCD, and also the alcoholism, was that at the same time? Yeah, I mean, okay. that was just a kind of, that was an ongoing, but I didn't know that, I didn't know I was an alcoholic. Right. Okay, so explain about how they sat together and also about the OCD. So OCD, when I was 12, I got really sick with OCD, but I didn't know it was OCD, because mm-hmm. to me, OCD was kind of like the tidying, the kind of, now, there are lots of different forms of OCD. Mm-hmm. I think the World Health Organization is has it as one of the top 10 most debilitating illnesses you can have. And... um it so that i always describe ocd as it, like your brain refusing to acknowledge what your eye can see so mm-hmm. for example you know i can see that the oven is off but my mm-hmm. brain is like but what if it isn't what if or i can see that that candle's off but my brain is like what if you know and it's or i can i i know i've just intellectually i know i've just gone over a bump in the road mm. which is just a a, a a speed bump but what if it was a child right right and then so and we all have um intrusive we all have thoughts right mm-hmm. we all have hundreds of thousands of thoughts every day mm-hmm. we are not our thoughts mm-hmm. we all have intrusive thoughts so you know that thing of like or what if someone gives me their baby and I just throw it on the floor? Yes. Or yeah. what if I just push that person under the tube? Or you know, like, I always get in any um, church scenario. What if I just stood up and shouted? Yeah, fuck yeah. you, God, all the time. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What if I, you know, you were on top of a building and you just kind of jumped? And, yeah. But most of us say, "Oh, these are just random thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually going to do them." But someone with pure OCD becomes really distressed by them mm-hmm. and becomes so anxious that they are them that they start to try ruminate to try and disprove that they are their thoughts so yeah. from a young age I thought that I was a serial killing pedophile okay. like I really worried that I'd like murdered someone on my way home from school and like blanked it out oh, right. because okay. of shock yeah or I had hurt my little brother or something like that yeah um, so that was pretty traumatic, but because I didn't know really what it was, and people mm-hmm. obviously weren't, it's not the kind of OCD people talk about. Yeah. You know? Did <laughs> you talk to anyone about it? Not until I was about eighteen. Okay. Um, so then it all kind of like I always say that mental, like mental illnesses, like most mental illnesses, illnesses are much like most physical illnesses mm-hmm. in that if you treat them early, you know you can. They, they are treatable. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, they kind of snowball and become something much bigger than... It's like they, they set down proper tracks in your life. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. they also, like, you know, they, they morph into other things yeah. and you become, like, a, a magnet picking up metal shavings. And, you know, so I... My hair fell out when I was about 17. Mm-hmm. 
which I think was just like the stress of thinking I was a serial killing paedophile. Yeah. How much of it? Uh, yeah. Most of it. Most so of enough it, that, you, that you could yeah. see. Yeah. And uh, yeah, alopecia, like I had it. So that was another weird kind of thing about, I was just, it, I just felt kind of wrong. I, mm. I had like big kind of patches. I had mm. alopecia areata. I still have alopecia areata, but I'm, mm. I, I can sort of, hunt. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, then uh, shortly after developing alopecia, I developed bulimia. And I, you know, I can now psychologically kind of put the two together and go, well, that was me trying to get some sort of control mm. over mm. my life. Um, and then, you know, I discovered booze and drugs. And they were like wonderful ways to shut up all the voices in my head. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, and they became my coping mechanism for mental illness and then became a mental illness in themselves. So what did your day look like at that point? Were you getting up, waking up in the morning, going to work, and then you would not go home and you'd go out and you'd drink and you'd take drugs Mm -hmm. to sort of stay away from the reality of your life? Yeah. Um, And were those thoughts crowding in at that point or were you keeping them at bay? They were always there, but mm. I, you know, like I was trying to keep them at bay with the drugs and the booze, and of course the next day they would be even louder, and then you know, but I, I somehow survived, and a lot of people do somehow survive, yeah. and I think we have this kind of notion of addiction and alcoholism as someone on a park bench, mm-hmm. you know, and you know what I have certainly learned from getting sober is that it's you know it is that for some yeah. people but it's 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 multifaceted and it's different and it's you know and it and it's basically my life was becoming like my life had to become I mean I didn't get sober until I was 37 yeah yeah so that was a year ago now 18 nearly two years ago nearly yeah. two years okay and um and I it it you know it was the kind of the last thing mm-hmm. really and mm-hmm. and I and I but it was you know it was a really hard coping mechanism to get rid of, you know, because it's really the only coping mechanism we're giving, given in the yeah. UK. It's like, oh, you've had a stressful day, have a drink. Completely. You know, yeah. and I, I wasn't like, I could never have one drink. Like I would literally, like my husband used to say to me, why don't you just have one? I'd be like, why don't you just fuck off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many were you having though? Like, uh, I mean, like, I don't know, like, uh, I'd have like seven or eight pints a night. Okay. Yeah. But not every night, like, because I'd be brutally hung over the next day. Yeah. But like, three or four nights a week Mm. um and then I would this I'm talking about this is this is towards the end Mm. um but yeah but you were doing well in your work you're doing very well in your work the whole time Mm. so you're are you someone who's very good at just keeping that sort of core bit together well I made my madness my work right in many ways Mm. so um, I remember when I went to rehab that my counsellor going, it's kind of genius. You mm-hmm. kind of like excused your, you know, you, you, <laughs> you allowed your alcoholism to kind of, you know, like I, you know, my first book was all about my crazy kind of twenties mm. and ha ha ha. Um, isn't that funny? You know, so, you know, that's how I got away with it. Mm. And, but I, I, you know, I, I'm always really like careful to like, I was, you know, like the, the when I got sober, mm-hmm. I had to get sober because I became super aware that I couldn't. It was like I was leading a double life. Right. So I was like running marathons for mental health charities, being mm-hmm. a mental health campaigner, writing books about mental health, interviewing you know very high profile people about their mental health, and and at the same time, like and then I'd go home and I'd be like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't kind of 
I couldn't process it all. Mm. I was like, more and more I was needing to just get out of it. Mm. And it just got to the point where I was like, I'm going to lose everything if I carry on this way. Like, I really yeah. am. And I can't be a mental health advocate who is so... Um, who is at her very core. Like, I was doing therapy. I was doing mm. what I was talking about my mental health. But what I wasn't talking about was the alcohol, mm. you know, which was which was... It was like a lot. It was like a denial because yeah. that's what happens, you know. No one, no, look, no one wants to be an alcoholic. No yeah. one kind of goes, "Oh, when I grow up, I want to yeah. be an alcoholic," yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you know, it's it's without doubt the best thing I've ever done. Mm. Talking about exercise and running. Oh yeah, I mean, um, exercise and running. Well, yeah, I like. When did it stop? Okay, were you sporty at all? No. Prior to taking up running, no, okay. not at all. I took up running out of sort of desperation, really, for my own mental health. Like, I'd heard it had worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd heard it was a good thing did you try? Health. Did you try stuff that's, like, like yoga and meditation well, no, and all In my that 20s, or... I... No. Okay. Absolutely not. In my 20s, I kind of obsessively exercised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd go, like, spin class, 20 minutes on the treadmill. Right, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But I... I like, uh, but I exercise. I always saw as a punishment. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, a re- it, and I think what happened was I, I, I switched it around and started to see it as a, it's not a punishment. It's kind of a gift. And I started to do exercise for the gains, not the mm-hmm. losses. So it wasn't about losing weight. It was about gaining mental clarity for me. But did you feel that on your first run? Because yeah, well, quite, my first That's run not... was like you're like <laughs> no no no. Just because... <laughs> I've never, so I, I also have mental health issues, which I've spoken about a lot. Um, but for me, like I do things like yoga and walking. I've never, running to me, like because my heart rate goes up and I sweat and I feel more stressed, I don't find it stress relieving at all. Maybe it would in some distant future once yeah, I've got well, rid of it. It's but... interesting because um, Matt Haig talks about how um, running mimics a panic attack. Exactly. But, so, but you are in control of it. Do you see what I mean? Yes. But I also find, for me, on a very basic level, when I'm running, mm. I just have to stay alive. <laughs> okay. And so it distracts from the thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. So that's... And it, it's it's a sort of pure physical feeling mm-hmm. that, 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 that is so powerful, it detracts from everything else. But also going outside and, you know and breathing in the fresh air and mm. seeing that the world is still going it's mm. like again it goes back to self esteem like when you're suffering from mental illness you have no you know you are you, you sort of you hate yourself mm. and to kind of prove that voice wrong by getting yourself out of the house and getting some fresh air and you know even if you only go out for 15 minutes you know you are proving that you know, because all mental illness, what it has in common is that it lies to you and it tells mm. you you're a freak and it tells you that no one's going to understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. One of the things about, um, I walk a lot because I have a dog. And one of the things I found is that it's not just about being outside in nature, but feeling connected to something. Cause mm. you see the seasons shift when you're mm. outside and you feel that somehow you're a part of this, the world. I'm wondering if, for you, making connections was an important thing too. And for example, having your husband, having a daughter and stuff, whether that helped you to feel connected to the world in a different way? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, connection is the most important. In fact, they they say that addiction is the complete opposite of connection because you are literally isolating yourself. Um, Yeah, connect, well, because also I, I knew intellectually that there were people out there like me, but I didn't, 
you know, I hadn't met them. Mm. So it was literally like, for me, getting out there, but also talking about my mental illness mm. was about finding other people like me, you know? Yeah. Um, but also on the point of, you talk about Netflix, like I'm also very, like I do, I like to be out there, but I really do like to kind of hunker down yeah. and Netflix. Yeah. Um, but the other thing was, I do think, and I know this is going to sound, but like, I do, I do wonder if I hadn't had ED, mm-hmm. whether I would be sober now or whether I'd even be alive now. Right. But the point is, is that I did. Yeah. And so that's where I am. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, for, for her, like basically most of my self improvements mm-hmm. are for her benefit. I mean, obviously no, they're for my own benefit, but they are. Uh, she is the kind of catalyst. Yes. Um, well-being is yes. a term that is much maligned. And yeah. lots of people say that it can't do anything for mental health. I wonder where you stand on that and whether for you there are well-being things. I, I don't mean actual things like running or, you know, going and talking to people. Like these are all sort of very proven things. Mm. But things like having a bath in salts or something like that that you do that make you feel good, either just physically or physically and mentally. So I remember um, a therapist saying to me once, like, you know, go and paint your nails. And I was like, if you think that painting my nails is going to sort out my mental health, you are fucking, like, you need help. Yeah. Um, But I do think that all doing nice things for yourself is like an act of love. Like, oh my God, yes, I have, I had a bath with salts last night. Which salts? Uh, Epsom salts. Okay. Always Epsom salts. Mm. I have an Asda biscuit tin full of, uh, be, uh, oh, full of Epsom salts in my bathroom. <laughs> yeah, because you have to be so generous with them. You yeah, actually yeah, need yeah, to yeah. constantly have them coming in. Yeah, yeah. like just yeah. Con- yeah, yeah. Um, and no, I'm totally into. I'm totally into well being. Mm. Like I don't like. I also find that the better I get, the less cynical I am about this stuff. Yes, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Completely. But like, if someone wants to do something and it helps them, then why? Like, I can't bear people who are like, "That's all rubbish." I'm like, what? what is it to you what is it to you like i get i get the sort of like i get the um when it comes to things like you know influencers talking about food Mm. and cutting stuff out i think that you know you're on a dangerous that kind of area of Mm. well-being and clean eating like i find is like all a bit like i'm not down for really yeah but um but i i am down for that kind of thing of like looking after yourself the thing, so when you said that she, your psychiatrist, said, therapist, therapist yeah, yeah. said to paint your nails, I went to my first counsellor at 14 having panic attacks and she she was awful. And she said to me, I think you need to go for a walk every day. And I remember similarly mm. thinking, are you fucking joking? Like, of yeah. course that's not going to help me. Are it you is, mad? Yeah. I'm panicking every day. Anyway, I went on to see a series of different people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and since finding a very good therapist who has unpicked the stuff that was going on really the deep stuff and then said to me actually it's really important to find things in your day that make you feel good like painting Mm. your nails like going for a walk i have also become in maybe the last three years much less cynical and much more Mm. pro people like yeah sitting down and like peeling an apple slowly (laughs) or the things that make you feel quite calm um one of my friends loves asmr and he listens to it every single night what is asmr have you not heard of this oh my god okay so it's the thing, have you ever watched someone do something like paint or draw or even paint their face and found it really soothing? No. Like it may- <laughs> Okay. 
All right, so you aren't an ASMR person. No. Some people are. Right, so for me, if I watched even your daughter, so there's some um, drawings on the wall behind Bryony. And when I watch children draw, I kind of just go a bit into this hypnotic state right, where okay. I, it soothes me. And so it's watching someone like scratch a wall or like play with jelly. or It's very odd. Or is it like sometimes I watch, I like, I like watching like, Pitch like videos on Instagram of people like making cakes. That's exactly or, like, icing it. them, like putting. That's the, exactly putting it. the putting the like the yeah. oh, and you've made it all smooth. Do you have a routine now that sort of props up your life that you feel mm. comfortable with that you've molded? Yeah, like, I I think it's really important that you get the basics right because if you don't have the basics right, the rest of it is you know is not gonna you can't get anything right really mm. um and when i say the basics i mean <laughs> okay let me tell you something about those. i spent my entire my life's work was like i was not gonna i it was to find the exact perfect combination of alcohol and drugs that improved my mental health okay. like i was like no i don't want to hear mm-hmm. that exercise and sleep and eating well and all of that stuff is, yes. is going to help. I'm like, no, I am going to go out there and prove these experts wrong. And then what happened was I discovered that actually that, that I couldn't find the right combination. And actually in all my attempts to find the right combination, I was actually making my mental health worse. Yeah. Right. So now I'm like, oh, the experts are right. I have to get, I have to sleep like I have to get a good seven hours sleep a night. I get mm-hmm. into bed at like nine. I don't, I read for about an hour, an hour and a half before yeah. I go to sleep. That's really important to me. That Can you read stuff that's thrilling or scary or does it have to be soothing bedtime? No, it doesn't have to be soothing bedtime reading. I'm reading a book about the Rwandan genocide at the moment. Ah. Called Tomorrow We'll Be Killed With Our Families by oh. a man called Philip Gorovich. Okay. Amazing. Mm. But I read, I don't, I read all sorts of things. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I've just done Sally Rooney's and then... Mm, I, read, I haven't read that yet. I've got that next. I read there. thrillers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a thriller called Anatomy of a Scandal. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be, but I just, that time, it's yeah. like really important to me. I sleep, yeah. I, I make sure I eat breakfast mm-hmm. as soon as I wake up because it's a, it's like a blood sugar thing, mm-hmm. really. Do you have anything in particular you like to eat? I just have like a piece of toast with some peanut butter on it or some yogurt or something. Yeah. Yeah. But like I've noticed that thing of like three meals a day is really important yeah. because our blood sugar, like it's in, in recovery, in AA, they talk a lot about hungry, angry, tired yeah. and how those are kind of things that will just jeopardise you mentally yeah. Yeah. on a daily basis and it's totally true. But I'm not like, I, I, I do food, I do find comfort in food so I, I kind of, I'm very good in the morning and at lunch and then come the evening I'm like, <laughs> oh, why don't I order all the Deliveroo? Yeah, and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I'm working on that, it's fine, it's yeah. where I am now, I'm not like... You know, I'm not fucking blasting shitloads of cocaine up my nostrils yeah. and drinking shitloads of booze. Yeah. So, you know, Deliveroo is, it's dealable with. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I do, so I do that. I try and, I, like, I make sure I'm outside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I get outside, I exercise. Not, I'm not like a, you know, I swim, I run, I don't do any other classes at the moment. Mm-hmm. But also, if there are periods when I don't exercise, I don't beat myself up for it. Right. Um, and, you know, I just... I try to I try my hardest to keep off my phone because I think that is just it's the looking down, you know that's what it is. Yeah, it's the and I try to um, spend as much time with the people I love. 
Those are the basics, really. Yeah. Yeah, and don't drink. Yeah. That's, like, one of been the most, like, revolutionary things. Mm. Um, and always have a holiday to look forward to. That's a very good idea. I n- never do that, and actually it makes me really sad not to have something. Oh, my God, I have to always have, like, yeah, even yeah, if it's yeah. just, like, two days in, yeah. in I don't know, the countryside. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, something, yeah. something. Some to break. Come, yeah, some escape. Tell me about, if you're going to an awards as you are tonight. Yeah. <laughs> What would you... What, okay, so Bryony greeted me at the door wearing a bright pink dress and went, what do you reckon? And um, <laughs> and I was like, it's bloody great and it looks joyous. And I wonder, what's your getting ready routine? Are you looking for the joy in that? Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't go out that much anymore. So um, so my getting ready routine is is now... Is, it's going to sound really elaborate for yeah. what I'm going to do today. So I'm about to go and get my nails done. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to go to my hairdresser, Daniel Galvin Jr., who's like mm-hmm. my... I love him. Mm-hmm. And he's... You having colour done? I'm going to have my colour done. Yeah. And then... Because at the moment you're like strawberry blonde. I'm sort of... Yeah, there's a weird sort of pink peachy thing going on. Yeah. And then, um, and then I go to, I'm going to go to my local space NK. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lovely girl called Freya there and she's just going to do my makeup. Excellent. And that's it really. So would you do your own makeup though? Do you like having Yeah, I would, but because I'm going to an awards ceremony, yeah, I'm not wearing any makeup fancy. right now. Yeah. Because I'm like, keep my face free, but mm-hmm. I don't, like I love makeup. Mm. I really love makeup. Um, and I love creams i'm like what do you use what are your like favorite things so what like skincare yeah so i use drunk elephant yeah sea firma serum yeah. and yeah. then i use oh god so this is where i i think i don't like do beauty and stuff but i'm like yeah um and then i use their like face oil yeah and then i use a one one skin um eye cream do you like quite fancy stuff yeah, yeah. I, I i'm quite I, i've got to quite premium levels because yeah. i i well, because I <laughs> I have a discount card at Space NK. <laughs> oh, God. That, that would kill me. I'm so glad so I don't I, have I, that. I like, don't. And then, I'm like, and then I use, like, a retinol serum yeah. uh, at night for, by One One Skin. Yeah. And then, Every night with the vitamin C? Uh, and then I use a cream over it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Is that quite, like... Well, it's just vitamin C um, and retinol both sort of... Um, arouse responses in the skin so if your skin's fine fine My but most people fine. couldn't handle that i've literally got skin of hide of a rhinoceros what do you cleanse it with oh i just use like micellar micellar water oh. okay fine oh it has and some like pixie um what's the one glow tonic caroline here at oh the, the one that's like two cleansers yeah i use yeah. that oh very good that's well i've nice had like a lot of makeup on fine yeah, yeah, yeah on a day-to-day basis i just use you just the, use micellar i use like avenue yeah. Sick. Do you know what though? It really annoys me because um, someone who writes a lot about skincare, right? I know that if you use like a proper cleanser, it's better for your skin. But it's always the people who tell me they just use Missler who have the best skin. Whereas there I am with all of my like. What is missing? What's wrong with Missler? No, nothing. Water? It's just because basically you're not properly washing your face. It's fine. Like it's fine in the morning. And like, it's just that skincare experts would always say use a cleanser, take it off with a flannel. I mean. But I you feel know. like I can, there's a lot of stuff coming off on the cotton wool. Yeah, then it's fine. That's my skincare routine. <laughs> fine. And then I. I wear like some mascara and then are you particular about what makeup you put on um i wear um i wear a kevin a kwan a kwan mascara nice curling coats coats each things tubing slide off my face yeah nice 
and then I wear um and then I have a I use a oh fuck what's it called I use a um I use like a, C, a BB cream oh yeah by a Korean brand Eborian yes that's it yeah and then it's I nice, put on a Becca under eye concealer yeah and then I this is my exact routine yes yeah, I have Laura Mercier translucent powder which yes. I put on. And then I put on some NARS blusher, and that's it. Orgasm. Yeah, yeah. Do you like putting it on? Yeah, but it doesn't take it doesn't take me long. No, but do you? Like, no, I love putting like makeup. I love it. Oh, yeah. Look, Emily, look how beautiful I am <laughs> when I put makeup on. Yeah, oh, yeah. I scrub up well. Yeah, it's yeah, nice, isn't I it? enjoy it's that. Feeling. Yeah, I really like that. And do you extend your face care to your body? So, are you into moisturizers no, for your body? No, I'm terrible with. My I don't understand this. I know, I know. I, I was know. interviewing um, Natalie Lee for the podcast, but she also said. Um, that she doesn't use body moisturiser. And I was like, I don't get it because, a, like, for me, a lot of loving my body comes from putting body moisturiser yeah, on. Like, I really like fact, it. Yeah, it's though, isn't it? Oh, no, no I, I enjoy and, like, it. When it gets... Yeah, no, I do... No, I don't. See, no, because it's not for you. If you think of it as a fact, for me, that's I prefer doing that to my face. I like it. Like, I mm. like getting something that smells good and, like, putting... I don't massage it in for ages, but I just like... I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I, very yeah, I always feel if I put on cream. Like, I, when I go on holiday, I always put it on at night because mm. I'm like, oh, I'm going to, you know, like... Be fancy, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I always feel like I'm, like, slipping into an oil slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm very... You know, I always put cream on at night and mm. in the morning. Like, I, I, I've been putting cream on my face at mm. night since I was about 17. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing my mum's so taught me. Are you into perfume? No. Not at all? Do you wear it? No, not really. I've got some Jo Malone, like, pear, freesia. So tell me about your social media presence then, to finish with. So you use social media in the most positive, joyous... Um, every time I see your post, I feel happy and I like the writing, I like the pictures. Um, did you set out to do that when you started, say, on Instagram? No. I mean, I, I think when I first went onto Instagram, it was like, here's a picture. I, like, I didn't really use it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all quite accidental. Like, I I think like a year, a couple of years ago, I had like a thousand followers. Mm. Um, and <coughs> uh, and then I put... I, I, yeah, I put a picture up of me in a knickers and bra mm. because there had been something in the paper that day about how social media made girls feel insecure. Right. And I was like, fuck this shit. Mm. Uh, and I got my husband, I asked my husband to take a picture of me and he was mm. like, are you sure? And I'm like, go for it. And then he sort of went from there, really. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I try not to put filters on it yeah. unless it's going to make me look worse. Like, it, what I mean is, unless it's going to show up, like, the blemishes, because sometimes the light, that sounds so bonkers. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, because I kind of feel like if I put a filter on myself, or the only person I'm, like, I'm just making life harder for myself. Because, right. like, instead of, like, one in every, wincing at every, one in every 20 pictures, I'm going to wince at every picture. Right. You know? Um, I don't, yeah, so that, those are my kind of rules, and... That's it, really. Yeah, that's it. But I, I try and I try and make it. Yeah, I want it to be. I want it to be uplifting. Do you feel any pressure associated with that? I mean, I know that last year you said you came off it for a little bit. I had to come. Yeah, yeah. I came off it, but I was other stuff. Okay. And it, and I and it was just that I found I wasn't I I was I had quite a bad bout of depression last year mm. and um which was just really it was about you know it was getting sober and then suddenly you know ever all the stuff I was drinking on was sort of laid bare there for me and it was just a distraction right and it 
I needed to really, really tune out, yeah. you know, and get and get and get my self esteem back. And and I think if you're starting to worry about likes and for how many followers you've got, that's a sign to get the fuck off for a bit because it's, it is yeah. like trying to seduce an algorithm. It's yeah. impossible. Um, yeah. So I'm quite I'm quite like with it now. I'm like I try and do a post a day. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, the, the only other thing is if you go off it, it like it's like well fuck you, yeah. <laughs> and you're like oh my god, you know what it is? It's just yeah. like it's like being it's like being it's like being it's like being an abusive in a bad yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, completely. So I just try to do it very keep it as kind of biz like as upbeat and positive as, but it's part of, you know, it isn't like it's not the most important thing in my yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's having that balance, isn't it? Where mm. you don't put too much on any one thing. And I think that, yeah. yeah. But also I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't put up, I try not to put up pictures of ED. I, sometimes mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Um, she loves it. She's like, oh, hello, mommy. Can I bring your Instagram? But it's How funny. old is she now? She's going to be six soon. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny, like, I get, like, I was in Ikea on Saturday having, like, a full-on argument with my husband about shelves. I mm. really like the life. Mm. And this woman was like, excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you, but I really like your Instagram. I was like, I think maybe I should put this on Instagram, having the argument with my husband in the shelves. Like, I, I don't, you know, like, it is... It, it's it's a wonderful way to speak to people as well like yeah. I, I you know you get a lot of you know you get a lot of insta it's really engaged yeah. instagram because you're you're forging a lot of connections again it comes back yeah. to having people but, talk directly but, to you and i don't really do twitter because i'm like i don't really have anything to say on brexit do you know what i mean so i follow like all my old news journalist colleagues on there and i'm yeah. like oh look at them all having conversations about yeah, like yeah. politics, and I'm like, bye. And I'm like, how have you gone from like this career to like, you know, yeah. basically, you like, if you told me that I would like my career would be taking my clothes off at the age of 38, I would have fucking laughed in your face. Right, but it is. It's an enormously stone. good thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, here we go. This is me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that seems like a wonderful note to finish on. <laughs> Thank you so very much for coming on the podcast, Bryony. Thank you for coming to my house to have me on your podcast. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.